Welcome to the Road Show. That breaks down barriers. My passion winning to be the best. Being the best is something we strive for. Sacrifice. Crucial role is high fit. Passion. Great. Passion. Fiction. Gold. Ultimate gold. Glory. Relentless training. Pain. Pain. Hello, ladies and gents, and welcome to season eight and our first episode of 2024. As always, it's myself, Lawrence Britton, and with me. As always, it's Jake Green, and like Lawrence <laughs> said, it's a uh, it's a new season of the of the Row Show, and uh, it's very very exciting stuff. We have the Olympic Games this year, and uh, we've got a quite a busy year ahead of us. You know, we've been uh, behind the scenes looking at how we can uh, make the most of the year. Obviously, the Olympics is a big year for rowing, and it's going to be a big year here for the podcast. So we do have a couple exciting things coming up on the show. Hey, Lawrence. For sure. So, I mean, first up, Cruise News, our brand new series that we want to bring name to you guys. is not 100% decided. That might change at a later point. <laughs> the name is set, dude. No one can come up with a better name than this name, Jake. I've asked you many times, come up with a name, and you did, You failed to bring anything that was coming no, close to I, Cruise I News. I did come up with something, but it was worse than Cruise News. Oh, okay. <laughs> that doesn't help. It's fine. For the audience out there, it might change, but we we do have Cruise News, which is basically looking at the the world of rowing, just looking at the sort of what's happening around in the world of rowing and what what will be happening in today's episode is that we're just going to have a look at rowing news from around the world, have a look at the rowing calendar and uh, just get a bit of, you know, just get a bit of the, the ball rowing just in the world of rowing in general and just trying to, you know, fill the space a bit more start creating interesting conversations and trying to engage a bit more with our audience out there. No, for sure, Jake. So I think, you know, we've got a lot of episodes that we already have in the bank uh, that we want to put out in the next few weeks for, for every, for all the listeners and they're really, really quality episodes. And over the year, we're really going to push the interviews with athletes and we really want to start including a few more coaches and just kind of add on to our bank of really incredible athletes and people that we've spoken to on the show so Mm. that's obviously the huge part of the show but then we have the other section the hype train regatta madness and there it's going to be jam-packed because there's so much racing coming up in the next six months you know between it's only six months till the games and we've got a whole heap of world cups european champs final qualifications and then finally the olympic games so we've got a lot of you know, really exciting racing coming up throughout the season. And we're going to focus on the the hype train and the regatta madness, obviously focus on those. And then that's where the cruise news episodes are going to come in because we just want to have a broader look at the rowing scene and at the, the rowing community and what's happening in the total rowing world, not just a single event or, or a single place. So it's just a place to to kind of broaden our, our conversation. And I think we really want a bit of um, listener feedback on on this episode. So if you're sitting there and you're listening and you, you really like it or you disagree with something that we say or you have a question or, or anything that you want us to kind of discuss or, or break down in the on the show, you are welcome to come on and and give us a bit of a bit of feedback. So yeah, hit us up on Instagram, hit us up on the Patreon group is always the, one of the best places to to talk about rowing. And there you're also welcome to suggest other names for our series because we are not 
completely sold and set on the on the the series name yet. Yeah, Jason? and yeah, I mean, I think also a big shout out to our patreons for being the sort of inspiration for this. You know, the I think the amount of chat and the sort of insight that they provide on across the board in the world of rowing is insane. So we I kind of felt and Lawrence kind of felt that it's definitely sort of worth our while sort of bringing everything together into a central point and just having a bit of an open discussion. So it's not just people reading news articles all day from different websites, trying to create a little bit of a central hub, create a little bit of discussion around it. Lawrence and I giving our thoughts, our opinions, a little bit of speculation here and there to make it a little bit more interesting um, and fill the, you know, the space of, of rowing in the media world a little bit more and create a little bit of a larger footprint out there, which is something our sport desperately needs. And then another thing that I think is really exciting about this year is we're looking to do quite an in-depth overview of each Olympic event since Tokyo to create a sort of episode about the narrative, about the story of the different events. So, for example, having a look at the men's pair and the women's pair and looking at, at you know who were the champions in Tokyo, what's happened create a bit of a story and just sort of fill in the listeners out there. So when the Olympics come around, they have a quite a, you know, a comprehensive idea of what's happening in each event and what's interesting. Nice. About, uh, what, do you, what are we going to call that event, Jake? Well, at the moment, so we've got uh, Paddle to Paris, which I am also not 100% sold on. So there's a lot of, you know, to be decided happening right now. <laughs> There's a lot of innovation. I keep happening. coming up with these brilliant, brilliant names for our episodes, and you just keep shooting me down. Oh no! No, you know, there's more. honesty. It's important to have honesty on the show. <laughs> I know Lawrence. No, but you're not too adding. Well to- you're not coming. You're not coming in and adding more value. I come up with paddle to Paris, and oh. there's just you're saying no, but you're not giving any any other options. Look. We, to be decided, you know, I'll add some value later down the line. But anyway, I think, uh, you know, without further ado, let's, you know, we can kick kick things off with the rowing news. And I think uh, a nice way to start is just having a quick look at the at the calendar for this year and, you know, how things are going to stack up. You know, obviously, Olympic, uh, Olympic year, everything becomes a little bit condensed. So the World Cups are gonna, and the international regattas are going to come a little bit quicker than normal. And I think the first notable addition to the calendar is coming in March 22nd to the 24th. We have the Pedaluco International Regatta in Italy. It's a regatta that us South Africans spend a lot of time going to. And a lot of other teams, Italy, Romania, I know the Netherlands like going there. And it's definitely quite a big thing on the calendar. It seems a lot of teams use Pedaluco as a testing ground for crew combinations. So I wouldn't be surprised if we saw some uh, interesting crews, you know, finalizing selection, I think, and finalizing crew combinations that we would le- we'll see later at the, you know, yeah. first, second, third World Cup and European champs. And I think for the last few years, the Pedalucos had like a bigger entry than World Cup one. Yes. So I know like last year, uh, Pedaluco was like quite a seriously big regatta, especially because it was like a little bit earlier then World Cup 1 got cannibalized quite a bit by European champs. So I think World Cup 1 fell between the two these two big regattas and didn't kind of provide 
you know, the intensity of the racing that Pedaluco provides or the like funding piece that uh, Europeans provided. So I think that's why World Cup One got hit so badly last year. But the and Pedaluco has got a really interesting uh, like race format, format for yeah. for anyone that that doesn't know the regatta. It's basically a double regatta into three days. So the first uh, day it starts in the afternoon and they run all the heats. Then the second morning they run the finals for the 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 heats that were running the previous afternoon, and then that almost ends the regatta. So you run your finals, you race it, you're done. Then that afternoon you row heats again for like almost the second round of the regatta. So it's basically like two regattas running back to back, and that's mm. really really nice, especially for coaches early in the season that have still selection battles going on. They can switch and, and match crews and you know try different combinations and and see different things. Like often we would row pairs on one day, four on another day, or you know you you really try and change things up to to see what your your fastest combinations are. And it's early in the season to still that coaches can still change the the combinations quite easily. Yeah, and and like. It's going to be interesting because the first, if you take Ped Luco, the first World Cup, which happens in the beginning of April, 12th to the 14th, and then European champs to 25th, 20, 28th. Like, how do you think things are going to stack up in terms of what are the different countries going to be um, sort of prioritizing? Because that is quite a jam packed calendar. You have Ped Luco, which provides, I think, really good sort of selection and testing opportunities early in the season. You have the first World Cup which is a World Cup regatta. And then obviously you have European champs. So, you know, how do you prioritize these things? And what's interesting is that the Dutch have come out and already announced that they're actually not going to go to European champs this year, which I thought was really interesting. And they're going to the first World Cup instead. So I'm actually glad that they're prioritizing the first World Cup and not European champs for the international audience out there. But it's an interesting, it's an interesting, interesting, it's an interesting decision like where, as a coach and as a federation, like how do you prioritize in picking the different regattas to choose and how well does it fit into the schedule leading up to the Olympics? Well, I think like the for me, it's the big countries that dictate the regattas hugely. So, you know, regattas that the British, Dutch, you know, Australians are going to go to, those are the regattas that all the small countries are going to try and make it and try, like they're going to put the effort into trying to go to those regattas because like I know for us particularly you know you're you're running on a tight budget you it's a it's a long way to go to travel to Europe to race a world cup and if that world cup is not going to be um well attended it's basically just a waste of time and mm. money so, you know, if you know that you're going to race against, you know, the Dutch or, and especially even as, and like for the small countries, they can be like as specific as their top events. So if they're focusing on the men's pair, they can look, okay, cool. These are the top countries. They're all coming to World Cup 2, not World Cup 1. We're going to go to World Cup 2. And I think that's uh, quite a big piece of, you know, how the how those regattas are attended. A hundred percent. And I think, from my from my point of view, I think the Dutch deciding to go to the first World Cup might actually impact already what teams are deciding to do. So they're going to the first World Cup, they're not going to European champs, and you've got to go to the second World Cup. So, I mean, I don't know if World Cup 1 is going to be... I think World Cup 1 is going to get cannibalized again because I know Romania are definitely going to European champs, and I don't know if they will go to the first World Cup. And also, you have to consider that 
Do you think teams might send development crews to the first World Cup? I don't think so. Not I'd maybe I don't not think this, so. I don't, this, it's not really a development year. Like yeah. this year is about the top crews. It's about getting your your top people to perform at the highest possible level. And I yeah. mean, April, May, and June are jam packed. You've got World Cup one, European champs, final qualification, World Cup two, Lucerne, World Cup three, Poznan, all within mm. like three months. It's it's gonna be a jam-packed set of racing for a lot of athletes and, and countries. And I th- yeah, and I think... Sorry, it's like a bit of both, I think. I think World Cup 1 will be better this year because of how tight all the racing is. If you don't go to World Cup 1, basically you lose April, so you have like three or four regattas in the next two months, which mm. is... That's quite that's quite spicy for, for uh, crews to countries to go to and especially uh crews that are going to have to attend final qualification yeah i mean that's a that's a really good point i was just about to bring up the the most important sort of regatta that's not the olympics this year is lucerne and you know i think one of the most countries are going to go to one of the three before mentioned between petaluka world cup one european champs most countries i think are going to go to one of those I don't think two of them might be a bit brave. In May, I think everyone's going to be at Lucerne. I don't think, you know, if you, if you, you know, Lucerne is a good opportunity. It's like an unwritten rule that it is like mini world champs. Everyone is going to be there. It's you're going to be your chance to test your speed against everyone else before the Olympic Games. So everyone's going to be going to Lucerne. Um, and then, of course, we have final qualification, which happens the sort of weekend before Lucerne. So, in May, that's going to be perhaps the biggest sort of uh, week of rowing outside the Olympics is the final qualification regatta happening in Lucerne and then the second World Cup, which happens the, the weekend after. I think that's 100%. going to be the, the high point of the season before the Olympics. Then we have in June the third World Cup in Poznan. I don't know how, how many, I think maybe a lot of the European teams will be at the third World Cup. I don't know if the continental teams will be going to the third World Cup. Maybe America, because I always feel like you I know, think it'll just be bigger than it'll be bigger than World Cup one for sure. It'll be, I, I think it'll be bigger from be the sense. Yeah, I think from the sense that the European countries will be going to the third World Cup, but I don't know if the continental countries are going to there. You know, like, I think a lot of teams Lucerne, like having Lucerne a big is, altitude is camp hectic, there. Though. Sorry. Sorry, Jakes. I, I just cut over you completely. You're saying that oh, the the lot of crews having altitude camps in June. Yeah, I think a lot of teams have massive camps before the Olympics, and sort of June, the period between Lucerne and the Olympics, is a good amount of time to be able to go on a massive training camp, sort yeah. of build. I don't think that, that those last bit of speed. I don't think that those last that last month or two. I don't think many countries are doing high altitude at that point. I think most of them will be at sea level. But yes, there's a lot of training camps around that time. And like mm. also there's n- there's no reason to to miss Lucerne. It's so big. And you know, I just remember racing Lucerne a few times like obviously those years of the games. It's like a 3-day regatta compared to the week of the Olympic Games and it has like four times the number of crews there. Because yeah. a lot of countries have, you know, double uh, cruise there it's so massive and you know there's so many people competing there still for the olympic seats 
even in some in some cases. So that's always a big one, and this that one will be it'll be the biggest regatta I think of the year because the Olympic Games is also not a from a head not count, a big not regatta. A massive, uh, yeah. regatta, yeah, yeah. No, I, that's I, all the spice happens. I I agree with you 100. percent And then we got the third World Cup in June, and obviously the penul- penultimate regatta of the cycle. 27th of July to the 4th of August, we have the Olympics in Paris, where we're going to see oh. the best of the best hunt the next set of Olympic medals. Nice. And I'm going, Jake. I've got my tickets. I've booked my flights, paid an outrageous amount for accommodation, and I'm going there to watch. It's going to be fripping awesome, man. Yeah, I haven't booked my tickets yet, but you know the idea is you to see you... To I've got lots of work to do and the idea is to see you over there. But yes, we yeah. have the, the Olympics in July, August. And I don't know, Lawrence, if, if you've had a look at the, the medal design that, uh, that the IOC has put out for Paris. It was something I really wanted to chat about because I think that they are next level. They are so cool. I think they're terrible. <laughs> what? Really? Like, I think they're so cool. I'm not even being, I'm not even <laughs> doing it just to create speculation and then create a, a conversation. I don't like them. I think the, the metal middle part is, I don't know. Like I, if I won my, my like gold medal, my silver medal, my bronze medal, I want the whole bloody thing to be bronze, silver or gold. I feel like having a little middle piece, metal piece in the middle is a bit. Uh, dude, I don't know. I feel like it, it makes of it the not Eiffel as nice. Tower, dude. Mm, is it really, or are they just selling you that and just giving you a piece of scrap metal in the middle of your Olympic medal? <laughs> I want, I want the they're source. Trying, trying I want them. If I win a medal, I want them to tell me for what part of the Eiffel Tower is this piece of metal from. <laughs> and they didn't just get scrap metal from a car wreck off the highway and put it in the medals no i think it's power i dig them i I dig the pattern as well like around the the piece of other of scrap metal no i do i do like the pattern and i feel a little bit uh shameless going after the design of olympic medals because you know i don't (laughs) think anyone would give a shit it's not the the first time though got it in beijing they put a stone into the medal yeah, I know. I did you like? What did you think of the Beijing medals? Did you like them? No, these, I, I think these I are cooler. Like I thought, no, but the yeah, only I thing thought that London, I, London and I'm Rio were find cool. It. Yeah, Tokyo, I think, was probably the best of the sort of a design point of view the last couple of years. I am trying to find because actually, the only thing that really matters about these medals is if they are bigger than the last time so if you mm. like look over all the history the olympic medals just got bigger and bigger and bigger and i remember the real medal was like something like one or two grams bigger than the, the one from london. london so i'm trying to find the weight but they must make I them bigger see. it's like it's better than the the wool drawing medals that are like the size of a of a coin that you use to go through toll gates. It's ridiculous. <laughs> oh, man. That's quite cool. The, the, the Paris medal is, the gold medal is 529 grams. And so that's, what is that? What is that in relation to the last couple? I'm looking. 
Just give me a second. Can you just entertain our audience whilst I'm searching away here? Well, my my take of it is that Paris, I don't know. I'm not not the biggest fan. You know, maybe opinions have changed. I don't know what the, the rest of the world thinks about the 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 medals. But it's just cool because, you know, it's it's like it's starting to build a bit of hype towards Olympic Games. And it's crazy to think that it's this, this time of the year again that we're going to be handing out Olympic medals to the next, you know, generation of yeah. of rowers. It's going to be incredible. So on my research, so these are not as big as um, uh, uh, Tokyo was the biggest Olympic medal at yeah. 556 grams. And these are like 530. But still, that's proper. That's it like a proper. huge medal. Think of how <laughs> think of how maybe a, of half, half a kilo is. Yeah. Um, so yeah. That's no, that's cool. that's I mean, proper. But it's it's cool. Yeah. You kind of want that with your no, for sure. Spend so much Definitely time. want it. And I mean, as you said, I can't wait to to see like the next you know heap of Olympians coming through, and you know, new people to to interview on a show and chat to, and like new stories. Uh, you know, there's going to be so many. By the end of the year, there's going to be like you know a whole heap of of new incredible stories of new athletes yeah. of of you know big upsets and massive wins, and um, it's going to be incredible to to watch that all unfold. I think that's what everyone's looking forward to so much uh, through the season. And then I think moving on to you know the next point of our chat, I think all the Serbians out there are not going to enjoy this part of the conversation, but it was announced unfortunately earlier. I think this year that the Serbian Rowing Federation has been suspended from world rowing, which means that the that the Serbian Federation cannot enter athletes into any world rowing events and Olympic Paralympic Games, which I thought is a flipping massive decision. And they've made that decision based off outstanding financial debts being owed to world rowing. And certain event suppliers from the Rowing Federation in Serbia, which is uh, a little bit spicy. I uh, I don't know if this is you know did unprecedented. They, did they have any, who knows? Did they have any qualified boats? I don't think so. <sighs> Off the top of my head, you know, I don't. Maybe the women's skull. I don't know. I mean, it it still maybe it doesn't impact too many athletes, but still, even if it. You know, crews are going to be sending late qualifiers. You know, we have the Serbian men's pair just off the top of my head to think of one. And I know the, the women's skull has also, also been a name on the on the circuit. So, like, I just feel whenever I see anything like this, I just feel for the athletes because imagine you being told that you can't race because of a – your federation is, owes money to world rowing. Yeah. And that's why you can't row. I mean, that's that's not great. And I just find it funny that, you know, that takes world rowing, you know, years to ban like uh, Russia or some other countries that are, you know, blatantly cheating, but, you know, don't pay them a bill and you get cuffed straight away. Yeah, that's a good point, actually. That is a very good point. But I think the, you know, that, that, uh, that whole Russian scandal thing is, I cannot imagine the politics that are involved with with that, but it is it is I know, a good point. but it's the and then it's the, but it's just the same. I, and again, you feel sorry for the athletes, but you know, I think that for the Serbs, I mean, I feel really bad that they on the athletes are not going to be able to row because their federation has cost them so much. I mean, yeah. that's it's pretty brutal. 
So yeah. Yeah, let's see how that unfolds. But I wonder if there'll be any Serbians fly, uh, rowing for like the, um, what's the Olympic, uh, under the Olympic banner, if they get there. I don't know. I don't know how that works. You know, I need to brush up, but yeah. I'm not sure. And I think uh, moving on from that, so like Lawrence and I, during our research, we came across this really interesting article titled Olympic Winds of Change out on rowingnews.com and written by Chip Davis. It is not the most positive article, but an interesting one nonetheless. I think it's basically going over the challenges that you know, rowing is facing in 2024 in terms of you know being a part of the Olympics, being part of the global world, the sort of things that are holding it back you could say from from that point of view I mean, you know as a as a reader as a like a rower rowing fan reading this article is obviously somewhat depressing but i think it's worthwhile sort of bringing it up and talking about it on the show because you know many times on our podcast we've spoken about the innovation that they can be in the in rowing and maybe how much of it is like the lack of innovation is actually holding our sport back because you know there are a lot of things from you know, the cutting of light rate rowing, beach sprints, the, you know, the financial situation of world rowing, you know, a lot of things need to need to be better in order for our sport to continue being a part of the, the modern Olympic Games. Yeah, I think, I mean, Jake, me and you were having a very interesting chat about this uh, before the show came on because we, you know, on one hand, we think that 2024 can be like one of the best years of rowing ever with some incredible racing we have so many like insane athletes and results that we're going to witness this year through throughout the season so for us it's like we really think that the season can be one of the best but then when we look at the like long-term view it kind of looks so, like a bit bleak on like how does world rowing maintain this kind of quality and grow this kind of and grow our sport into something that is going to last for the another you know, 30 or 40 uh, Olympic cycles. So it's, you know, it's, it's really, it's a really tough place to be. And I think one of the big, the first ones to do, that comes so obvious is like the shorter event in LA. And I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing at all. I don't know. We'll get your views on it now, Jake, but like, you know, for world rowing to present a sport that is more watchable, more, kind of user-friendly, that people want to turn on the on the TV when the Olympics is on, that they want to watch our sport. Our sport has to make some changes and not everyone is going to like those changes. So yes, the 1,500-meter event might not be what everyone wants, but it also might be much more exciting to watch as a viewer. It might be you know easier to film and uh, and present to to the public. So you know the telev the television piece of this the the you know the streaming piece of of sport is so crucial for sports like longevity so we got to they got to try something and i think that the 1500 meter thing could be quite quite a, a useful tool to improve mm. our of the viewership of our sport but i'm on the view that if you're going to race 1500 meters you should race 1500 meters the whole cycle every single race every single regatta that world rowing, well, not necessarily, but like every single big race should be at 1500 meters. World champs qualification should be at 1500 meters. You know, all these races that 
are going to row 2,000 meters, they're not going to give us a different sport. They're going to give us the same sport with people then having to row shorter during the games. Whereas if we watch 1500 meter racing for the whole cycle, it's going to give us completely different athletes, completely different training programs and teams by the LA Olympic games, which is going to be more interesting in my opinion. So that's my take. 100%. Where do you sit? The way I sit, you know, the way I think about this year's Olympics it's going to be the end of an era for me, and the and the LA twenty twenty eight is going to be the beginning of the of a new era for for the world of rowing. I think this is mainly spurred on by the fact that lightweight rowing is getting cut, and that beach sprints are replacing lightweight rowing in LA twenty twenty eight. And the second thing is that the compromise of fifteen hundred meters at twenty twenty eight. You know, for a while we've had the same thing happening in in rowing, and these are massive, massive decisions. That are that are being made at the highest level of the sport. So I do think that, regardless of you know the intentions and and what's going to happen after LA twenty twenty eight, I don't think rowing is going to be the same going forward over the next five years. And we might be getting ahead of ourselves a little bit, but you know I think it one of the one thing in the article. I mean, it's a very long article, so I'm not going to go through the whole thing. But one really big thing that hit me hard was that the the revenue for um for wool drawing for wool drawing is um uh, most they receive most of it as IOC grant money so that's olympic com- the official olympic commission is giving wool drawing most of its money from uh overall revenue which is not where you want to be you want to be generating most of your revenue within the sport and i think the second thing that goes with it is that Rowing has the third highest athlete quota at the Olympic Games. And, you know, if you put those things together, that is not a healthy situation for the longevity of our sport in the Olympics. And, you know, I don't think it's doom or gloom because, again, Lawrence and I spoke about it earlier. I don't think there's anything wrong with the sport per se. I think the athletes, the physiology, the intensity, the, you know, Everything about a sport is more than enough to make it a super appealing sport. I don't think we're marketing ourselves the way we need to be. And, you know, that for me is basically the massive takeaway from the article is the need for massive innovation in the sport. And yes, a lot of that is going to be stuff that probably we aren't going to enjoy. But I think we need sort of need to start making decisions especially on the financial side making it more commercial commercially available to rowers and to you know teams out there i think like the way the way we have to like the way it should be thought about is that you know yes we because like all these rowers they are the ones who end up running fisa and getting involved in in all the committees and stuff and we all want to see rowing the way we experience rowing and i think we don't want it to change but i would rather change dramatically and got more popular and bigger and you know more exciting for the general public to view it than it stayed like this super niche sport and got smaller and smaller and eventually kicked out the the games i think that would be for me that's a much worse kind of ending to to rowing than to for it to like you know take on a new identity 
take on a completely different look that is not the same as the one that we kind of all remember and kind of idolize than and you know and seeing something different. And, but like Jake, looking at those stats again, I mean, you said it. Rowing receives seventy percent of its funding from the Olympic Games. It's the third highest number of athletes at the games. It is the twenty fourth most watched event. So you said it's like they're not adding up. And and for me, the way I, I like interpret that is that basically world rowing gets dictated to by the Olympics because they have like no they don't bring anything to the table. So the Olympics can tell them what they want the sport to do, what they want things to change. Whereas we should be presenting such an epic sport to the public that the Olympics is like you know, frothing to to get us on and to give us more time and to kind of add more to to our sports. I think it's like we just we just stuck in like this a bit of no man's land. And I think I'm hoping to to see that like change a little bit in the next kind of eight years. I think it'll be it's going to be tough. I think in some areas, but I think if if we wanted to if we want our sport to be successful, then it's it's got to there's got to be some changes. 100%. And I think we'll say this enough, I think, on, on the article, but it is uh, actually a really good read. And for anyone out there, it's on rowingnews.com, Olympic Winds of Change. We'll link it down in the in the show notes below for you to have a read and, you know, get a sense of sort of what, what we are talking about. I think moving on to something uh, a little bit more positive than that and something a little bit more interesting, sort of rowing adjacent still rowing but it's a little bit different kind of rowing um we had a world record set in rowing across the atlantic by a woman duo team of lauren champion and teammate lisa Rowland, who completed the journey in just 45 days i am very very sort of uneducated when it comes to rowing across the atlantic it's not something that particularly appeals to me but you know, it's definitely something that it sort of strikes a lot of sort of big names in our sport to do these sort of things. But what's interesting from these, from this pair is that they weren't actually, didn't seem to have a very strong rowing background before. And, you know, getting together and managing to break the record across the Atlantic, I thought it's quite impressive. And uh, I mean, we had earlier this year, I think we had Joachim Sutton from the Danish pair from last year. He crossed the Atlantic. And, you know, just off the top of my head, I remember post, you know, Rio, Alex Gregory, I think, spent some time rowing in the Arctic Circle. So, you know, rowers are always sucker for punishment and pain. You know, Atlantic, crossing Atlantic, I don't know if, if Lawrence is, you know, that appeals to Lawrence. I'm going to take a guess and say not quite. Dude, the ocean gives me the heebie-jeebies, dude. You're not going to catch me on a tiny little boat that's bobbing around out in the middle of the no- nowhere for 40 five days that's if things yeah. go well like if things <laughs> run things perfectly well. smooth you're going 25 20 or uh, 40 45 days it's that's proper yeah um, and you know lawrence so lawrence can't really so swim so it's it's not a great place to find yourself also i'm like the most extroverted person the poor person that has to do that with me i'm gonna drive them absolutely mental dude if i have to do that with someone but it is and it i so for me it's not actually the like difficulty of it which i think is the biggest challenge like i think sitting on the on your butt rowing for because if you go across i mean realistically 
you're rowing for half of that time, 23 days is the time you're spending rowing in just a month and a half. So mm. like that, I think that piece is so difficult. And I think that these are like the incredibly, the incredible athletes that are doing this, like from a mental stage. I mean, I don't think it's like you're not rowing particularly hard all the time, but it is all the time that you're rowing. Yeah. So they did it two I mean, hours think- on two hours off. And that's, that's quite brutal when you consider that they did that for, uh, how long does it? 45 days, two mental. hours on, two hours, hours off. That's brutal. But like, so like what is one person sleeping, other person rowing. So generally you're yes. actually just spending 45 days alone because you're not going to get to speak to that person for very much of your yes. trip. If that's the, the game plan. It is quite brutal. Dude, I couldn't but, never. Yeah, no, that but would, honestly, that would kill me. Yeah, but that's a, you know, that's a big shout out to Lauren Champion, which is a legendary surname to have. Lauren Champion and Lisa Rowland for completing the Atlantic crossing in record breaking time. Thought it was worthwhile to cover, cover that. And then I think uh, moving on, we've got a bit of news coming from Australia. Australia recently had their New South Wales championships. And the reason we bring it up is there were some really interesting names racing there. A lot of the sort of elite team was out there. I think to start off with the men's uh, elite team was racing a lot of names that I recognize from the men's eights and the uh, men's pair and the men's four were out there um, racing each other. And I think what really took me was the men's pair and the men's four. We have some really interesting combinations. The men's four had sort of broken up into some different combinations, mixed in with the guys that were in the pair and the guys that were in the four. So I think, uh, you know, looking at this, I think that this is an indication that Australia are maybe opening up selection a little bit more for the the men's four. Maybe I'm reading too much into it, but just looking at the combinations, we had the top four from the weekend, had Jack Hargreaves, Alexander Purnell, Jacob Dawson, and Jack O'Brien. Um, if you're familiar with those names, they do- uh, Purnell and Hargreaves were in the four, Jacob Dawson and O'Brien were in the eight last year. So very interesting. You know, I wouldn't be surprised if we found sort of a new look Australian four coming into this year. And they certainly want to get their name back on top of the event with another Olympic gold. So I don't know. Do you think I'm reading too much into this, Lawrence, or do you think yeah, it's I a think, sort of indication? I think don't get too caught up in the crew selections because I think a lot of them are dictated by the clubs and things that people participate for. So they mm. have to like split up a little bit. But I think... What I take away from this is, you know, consistently last season, the four was one of the lower performing percentages on the on the international scene. Yet here, yeah, the fours, men's and women's fours, like battered the lights out of the other other events, going like pretty, particularly quickly. Like the men's four went five forty nine, and the women's four went uh, six twenty four. So both of those like really quick times for you know any kind of early season racing i think that that's um probably mm. fast so and uh, what's, what's cool to see is you know tara rigney is definitely she won her event by 10 seconds and annabelle and jess morrison from the from the pair also winning the event by almost eight seconds so 
that I think is going to stay pretty straightforward going uh, going ahead. But I think really interesting to see. It seems like you know I don't <clears throat> don't know how racing works down in Australia. I don't think they've quite got the selection done. But you know I wouldn't be surprised after looking at these results that we'll have on the men's side at least we'll have a bit of bit of a shake up on uh, on what we're going to see out you know building up to the Olympics this year. But I mean, I would say looking at this, I think we we are at least gonna see some some decent fours and pairs coming from 100%. Australia. The and then the next one is some team announcements that we need to dig into. So the first one, the Dutch rowing team. So just remember, the Dutch uh, won World Champs last year um, on the Olympic cruise. They won eight gold, eight medals, five golds, and three silvers at World Champs. So. Really, really quality results from them. And they announced their team in January already this year, which for me is just ridiculously early. But I guess that's how they want to do it. And I think they, there's like, there's a double whammy of, you know, Olympic uh, selection because on one hand, the later you leave it, the harder, you know, athletes are, you know, they're battling each other every day. They are, you know, you're pushing every little mill that you can. You're really choosing your battles and and making the the races that count. You're really focusing on them, and you you you're really trying to squeeze the most out because you're in a selection battle. But then, kind of another thing that happens once you get selected, you actually relax into your crew, and you can focus a lot of the like technical elements of like your game plan, your race plan, instead of just like flat box every time it counts. Mm. So I think that there's huge benefits to both positions. I think early season, you really want that competition and that like hectic um, kind of, I mean, it's almost abuse, the, 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 the selection battles that you can go into. But then you want that time to gel in your crew and build the trust. And, you know, because often you, you, know, you don't want to give too much to your crewmates when you in a selection battle against someone else because you don't know exactly where they stand. Whereas once you select mm. in a crew, it's all up to you guys to to make that boat go the fastest. So I I actually think it's quite a good thing going a bit early, but your know, January is very early. It is very early, but I I agree with you. I think it's a good thing. I think the Netherlands have are clearly getting something really on a very good trajectory at the moment and i think they're using their position after world champs to their advantage i think you know consolidating what worked for them at world champs world champs and uh you know on the woman's side everything is still the same lineup the only notable change i found was the women's double this is interesting so the women's double qualified in last spot last year 11th they got the last ticket to uh to paris and that's we have Martine Feldhays who's coming into the the double. She's replacing Nika Johanna Voss. And what's interesting about Martine is that she raced last year in the lightweight women's single. So you have a lightweight moving into the the double, um, which I uh, I thought was very interesting. And obviously, the 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 team, the coaching staff will be looking to make that double faster. So on the women's side, everything is pretty much going forward and except for that change and uh on the men's side sculling side also straightforward nothing big has changed what has been a big shake-up and I, it must have been crazy the last couple the end of last year in the netherlands team 
the sweep team has had a big reshuffle. I think uh, starting with the top boat, I don't know officially, but I'm taking a guess. The top boat, the men's eight, the most sort of consistent boat from last year's World Champs. We have two two changes, Ruben Nab and Rolf Rinks, who raced in the 2023 men's four that came fourth, are now in the eight. And I think the eight is definitely the the top boat that came. They got the silver medal last year at World Champs, which was a huge result. Um, and I think they're definitely looking to maintain that as the top boat. The next changes, Lawrence, which are very interesting, is the men's four has got three new members. We have Eli Brower, who's a young a young guy in the team. He's got a couple of World Cup results. You have Nelson Ritzima, who was in the pair that raced in the sea final last year. And you have Gus Muli coming down from the eight into the four. So that's really interesting. And obviously in the men's pair, you have Nikki van Sprung and Guillaume Kramerhoek, who are back in the pair. They raced the Olympics last year. They have a big job ahead of them going to qualification, a final qualifier. So Lawrence, what do you make of that shuffle in the men's sweep team? So, I mean, it's very surprising, Nikki Van Sprung and uh, Kramohook going into the pair. I think for me, it looks like they wanted to go into the pair because it's un- it's not a qualified boat. Maybe they have unfinished business and they, you know, the eight is doing very well. Like it's for sure the eight has got to be the top boat. But I think that they want to go. I would, I would take away from that that they have opted to go, like they were doing very well in the pair. And they backed themselves and they said, cool, we, we want to go in the pair. And then so they've moved there. The eights had to have some new guys come into it. And then the next guys who 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 were in the four, like the next the next up and coming guys are going into the four. So I think the four is right now the bottom of the boat, but it's also going to feed into the eight quite a lot though. So I think having having that four quite quick is 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 important for the a2 to do well but mm. i think we can only wait and see until some racing comes our way and 100%. i see that they're racing in world cup one so like world like cup said, one world cup no. two and olympics that's how that's their schedule for this year very cool and then i think the other team that's announced their their team already is the, whoa, the whoa, 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 whoa. don't i just hey. thought Exciting part from the Netherlands as well as I think just chatting about Simon van Dorp resetting the RP3 record after Oli set it at the end of last year. I think Simon van Dorp, it was announced I think on the 2nd or 3rd of January. He must have set it in December sometime. But Simon van Dorp has the new RP3 record. Yeah. I think it hasn't moved much, but it's it's still five. I need to just double check before I, I butcher it. But That's I, a proper... That's a proper battle between him and Oli, taking yeah. it from each other. And uh, yeah, I'm look. I mean, it's I still back the the concept too as the the ultimate uh, See, challenge. Changing times are changing. I but, think the the RP three is becoming sort of no for sure. It's moving in. Be, I think concept two have got to be sweating a lot about how much uh, the uh, the concept because also they like. RP3 has like been doing better and better every year. They must be eating away at Concept 2's like overall market share. And you know when they've tried the moving head kind of idea with the the dynamic, I don't think yeah. it worked out quite as well as they they wanted. So yeah, I think it's it's quite a big battle coming in the next few years for that. 
It is and quite a big battle, and I just wanted yeah, to yeah. also on the on the Dutch stuff. That record, by the way, is a five twenty five sixteen, so piping fast. And just a quick shout out, I think, to our fellow rowing aficionado and you know big presence in the in the media space, Martin Cross. I think he had a really interesting conversation with the 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 head coach of the USA team. Josie van der Schott, who comes from the Netherlands. And I think it was just, I had a listen to it. You know, for those people out there, I think it's definitely worth your while having a, a listen just to Josie talk about the philosophy and the, you know, the USA rowing team at the moment, which I think is going to be a major factor on the world rowing circuit. I mean, the rowing circuit this year. But just nice. a quick shout out to Modern Cross. Nice. We can't wait to, to hear some quality commentary coming through there the airwaves and the visuals this year. I must say, I'm really looking forward to that first. I mean, Peluco is going to be amazing, but I think once we get to World Cups and final qualification, it's going to be outrageous, the racing. So Mm, moving on on that to the the last team that's, or the, the, the New Zealand rowing team that's also announced their kind of Olympic squad. Also, I don't think JK, there's not like massive changes in here and um, i think no, there's it, some really interesting crews and you know coaches but you know i think it for their for when i look at this overall team i'm like no i gotta see this thing race um not necessarily i can't read too much from just looking at the, the names on the page at this point the only notable addition i think to the to the roster i think is the women's fall we have Kerry williams Formerly Kerry Gowler, the you know the the Olympic champion in the women's pair and the Olympic silver medalist in the women's eight from Tokyo is back in the picture in the women's four, and I can't wait to see how yeah. that is going to impact the women's four because also Kerry Williams she's got the she set the record in the women's four back in 2014, so yeah. you know she's familiar with this boat event and and racing you know, with the, the sister. Racing with her sister Jackie in there, and um, you know the four won the B final from World Drawing uh, from the World Championship last year, so they definitely have their sort of work cut out for them. But I, after seeing Kerry in that boat, I'm really excited to see them racing this year, and uh, it's going to be you know I I think you know the world the New Zealand women's team is is in a really interesting time at the moment, sort of carrying yeah. over from that last of that women's eight at uh, at Tokyo. So I'm really excited to see uh, how things stack up. And just a slight correction there. This was a New Zealand rowing team announced to compete at the World Cup 2 in Lucerne, Switzerland. So it isn't – they didn't oh, say not? that it's the Olympic team. Uh, okay. Sorry, so I'm this could be away. subject to change. You never know. But oh, from, definitely from what be. I would guess – is that if these crews do well, they're going to get the green lights. And you know, New Zealand seems to leave their selection fairly late. Yeah. So I think like other interesting ones is like how will Emma Twig go this year, Olympic champion um, returning to, to defend her title in the women's single. I think it'll be awesome if she can bat out another like stellar year that she did in, in 2021. I see Jackie Kittle in the light red women's mm. double. Really hope say. that she can pull things together. Like she's had, I think, a very really tough 
you know, through COVID and, you know, that time it's, it's taken her a long time to, to kind of get back in it. So that'll be really cool if she can pull it, pull it off and, and get a, and get a medal there in the, in the lighty double will be incredible. Uh, Jay, you spoke about the, the women's Coxes four. And then I see Robbie Manson back in the men's double. What do you think mm-hmm. of that? Yeah, that's going to be interesting. You know, he raced World Champs last year, qualified the the double with, um, and I think this is a this is a new combination as well. He's race he's in the double with uh, Jordan Parry, and if you if you can remember, you cast your mind back to twenty twenty two World Rowing Championship. Jordan Parry had an absolute crack of a race coming away with the, I think, fourth, fifth, fourth or fifth place. So it's an interesting shakeup. It's a new combination. Last year, Ro- uh, Robbie Manson raced with Benjamin Mason in the double. So it is a new combination. So, you know, really excited to see that double grow. And I think it'll be a really, really fast combination because Jordan Perry is an established and competitive scholar who can definitely box with the best guys in the world. The question is, do they have enough? Do they have what it takes to go up against the you know the gladiator event in all drawing? Yeah, the it's oh man, Jake, you're just getting me excited for this year's racing. It's going to be absolutely incredible. I really, yeah. really am looking forward to the racing so much. And I think for those of you out there listening, let us know what you think of this episode of the news, the cruise news. And we'll go, you know, we'll, we'll really want your feedback and we really want to hear, you know, what did you guys take away from the episode? What did you enjoy? What did you think we needed to chat about and send us stuff to, to, to chat about in the, the next episode, like, um, especially crews that you want to see race and crews that you think are going to come from, you know, a little bit of the shadows to, to take the, the wins. And that's what we want to chat about. So 100%. yeah, guys, thanks so much for listening. Uh, go share the show, hit us up with a comment, hit us up with a WhatsApp message or um, or go tell a friend about us. And until next time, we're out. We're out. And uh, yeah, we'll catch you guys. You know, stay tuned. We've got a lot of things coming. We're going to try and make the most of the Olympic year, create a little bit more of a discussion of rowing in the world. You know, there's a, there's a few of us out there that are, you know, occupying the space we're trying to build into it and make more of a sort of you know more saturated space of journalism and and stories and discussion so keep keep posted on the row show big shout out to our patrons who did a hell of a lot to get this uh this news section of our podcast going so big shout out to them but it's been a pleasure and we'll definitely catch you on the next one catch you on the flip side we're out